You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome to the program. It's hour one on this Tuesday. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Chris Sims from NBC Sports Football Night in America will join us coming up in a little bit. The great actor Ray Liotta will join us a little bit later on as well. Lakers at the Knicks without LeBron, who was suspended one game for a punch. Isaiah Stewart gets two games for getting punched. We'll talk about that coming up here in a moment. Play of the day, stat of the day, poll question, all forthcoming. And if you're looking for holiday gift items, we've got you covered. We have collaborated with uh, Sportique to release a limited edition holiday bundle. You got a a zip-up hoodie, autograph calendar in there, a a custom holiday box there. Only 100 available. We have calendars available, T-shirts. We got you ready for the uh, holiday season. Go to danpatrick.com. 877-3DP-SHOW. That's the phone number if you'd like to join us. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Say good morning to Peacock. That's our streaming partner. If you download the app, you can watch the show for free. And we say good morning to our radio affiliates, including the, uh, well, the popular Fox Sports Radio lineup, iHeartRadio, as well, numbering nearly 400 cities around America. His, historically, the one team that gives Tom Brady the most trouble is arguably the New York Giants, at least when they get to a Super Bowl against him because they've defeated him twice. But those Giants teams are a distant memory. Brady and the Buccaneers came away with an easy 20-point win on Monday night. Although Brady never looked happy on the sidelines. That game should have been maybe 50 to 10. But, you know, you start to look at this Giants team. They failed to create an identity under Joe Judge. You got a third-year quarterback, Daniel Jones, who's struggling. Running back Saquon Barkley was on the field but didn't do much. Defense has very few impact players. It's just more the same mistake-prone football that we've seen since those two Super Bowl years. And even though it was a 20-point win, Brady looked frustrated. You got the sense that he thought they should have scored a whole lot more. And that's why Brady's great, never satisfied, and probably didn't feel like he got any revenge on the Giants with this game. But this is nothing like the Giants teams that beat him all those years ago and still struggling to kind of figure out who they are and what direction you're going to take. Because it felt like after the game, Joe Judge was basically putting all of his coaching staff on notice. Is it fair to say you're, you're taking it as co- you know, more the coaches than the players? Is that a fair read on how you're... Yeah, put that on down. You can put that down tonight. Got that? You guys can write that tonight. All right. Now, the players got to execute. That's their job, right? It's our job to teach them. It's their job to go out there and execute. But we've got to make sure we keep putting them in a position to have success. And it's got to be consistently that way. So... You know, you can go ahead and write that down, and I'm not going to debate that. Yeah, that's the new trend this year is coaches blaming coaches, over-blaming themselves. Yes, Eden. Joe Judd sounds like a college coach there. It's our job to teach these kids. Like, hold up, dude. Some of those kids are making like $30 million a year, bro. What are you talking about? I know, but you also remember Matt Patricia when he left the Patriots, came into Detroit and had this attitude. Like, people think because you were on the Patriots coaching staff that somehow that makes you Bill Belichick. You don't get Tom Brady. You know, when you go to Detroit, you don't get Tom Brady. You go to the Giants, you don't have Tom Brady. That takes away a little bit of the swagger there. So when you want to talk tough and this is the way we do it, no, that's not how it works. Uh, And you've seen that. Matt Patricia didn't work out. 
I don't know if Joe Judge is going to, but just because you were special teams coach in New England doesn't mean that you're the guy who should be running a football team. You know, you got issues here. You got a GM, Dave Gettleman, seems like, you know, he's walking the plank as well. But they just haven't they haven't drafted well. They haven't they haven't done a good job. I thought that they in the offseason were going to shore up the offense, got some weapons, but can't count on Saquon Barkley. And Daniel Jones has all the physical elements that you want in a quarterback. He truly does. He just makes bad decisions. I don't know if it's fixable. Jameis Winston had all the attributes. I don't know if it's fixable. You know, that's why he didn't get a second contract with Tampa Bay. Daniel Jones strikes me as a guy who's going to be a backup quarterback in this league. Has talent, will have flashes when he gets a chance. He's just not consistent. And he threw an interception last night where you just go, why? How? He threw it to a defensive lineman who probably was like, what? You just threw it to me. I got to catch it. But you watched the game last night. I didn't come away impressed with the Buccaneers because they were a whole lot better than the Giants. But as far as the Giants moving forward, you don't give Saquon Barkley another contract. I don't want to extend Daniel Jones. So what is the identity of the once proud New York football Giants? They don't have one. The Jets might have a little bit more of a profile than the Giants do, believe it or not. And that's sad because <laughs> the Jets aren't any good. But I feel like like if you said, hey, you're a Giants fan or a Jets fan, I'd go, I, I guess I feel a little better moving forward as a Jets fan. The Jets just started Joe Flacco this weekend. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a third option? Jets, Giants, or what? Read a good Rutgers. book. Yeah, read a good book on the weekend. Oh, Rutgers football. Rutgers football is oh, okay. the best option. Mm. Who's got a more promising future? <laughs> Rutgers football. Yeah, Paul. But isn't the Giants situation kind of clear? It's not murky. They have to let their quarterback go, Daniel Jones. They cannot sign re- Saquon. And they let their coach and their GM go. It's a total rebuild now. And I think they have two top ten draft picks. Yeah, but Joe Judge just got there. So I don't. Dave Gettleman has been there. I can't see Dave Gettleman lasting. Yeah, McLevin. How about, uh, I think offensive coordinator Jason Garrett could go any day. Ouch. Yeah, they gave him the uh, play calling duties, but that feels, I mean, there are a couple of tenuous coaching situations. Obviously what's happening in Chicago, they're going to have to fire Matt Nagy. Now, here's the thing. If he, if the bears beat the lions, then they have a like 10 days before their next game. You're not going to fire him after a win over the Lions on Thanksgiving, but that means he stays for another 10 days with people speculating, wondering. Bears don't fire somebody during the season. But I did think about this. What if the Lions win the game? I mean, the Lions have gone toe-to-toe. Steelers, Browns. They lost to the Ravens on a, you know, 66-yard or whatever it was, field goal. I mean, there's there's no given here. Like, yeah, Bears are winning that game. Like, I don't know. Even though I'm, you're starting Tim Boyle, uh, 
you know, the Lions are going to win one of these games. Yeah, McLovin. How excited is America for Tim Boyle and Andy Dalton on Thursday? This is the matchup we all wanted. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, you can't even do the promo. You know, Bears, Lions, Tim Boyle, Andy Dalton, noon. Yeah. Someone has to win. Could somebody get fired? It's going to be a lot of Walter Payton and Barry Sanders video floating around these promos. I'll tell <laughs> oh, you that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a, a John Madden commentary. You know, bring back one of his old clips. A rivalry as old as the league is. <laughs> the turducken. <laughs> yes. Always turducken in there. All right. What's the poll question we have? Well, I was going to say, we've done it before. Who feels worse off, the Giants or the Jets? Although Seaton made a compelling case with his Joe Flacco line. Yeah. So... <laughs> Should I put neither on? <laughs> Who feels worse off? Both. But, but imagine you put in Joe Flacco because you don't want your other quarterbacks to be embarrassed. It's basically, I don't know, Mike White, yeah, you had a good run. And then, you know, Zach Wilson, yeah, we can't put the kid in there. Uh, let's bring in Joe Flacco. Joe, go out there and get him. Yeah, see. But if you're Jason Garrett, aren't you like to Joe Judge? Like, dude, I didn't make him throw those crappy throws. <laughs> like, I, I can't not, I can't... Help that. I can't make him not throw the ball across his body into the middle of the field to one of the defensive linemen for an interception. I can't uncoach that. I didn't draft him. Yeah, yeah. right. He's your quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Blame your GM. <laughs> yeah, McLovin. Can I share a, a somewhat warm take that will be nowhere else? Why did Joe Flacco fall off so quickly? He's 36 now. He's not like 45. I don't, I don't want to get into Joe Flacco today. He was like beating the Patriots in the playoffs a few years I ago, know. and now he's a punchline. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. Mike White? Yeah. No. You're the only one that cares about backup quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, nobody, that's my guy. Nobody cares. All right. Uh, what else do we oh, have? Okay. Uh, we have been working on this question. The most awkward quarterback situation in this offseason. We've been trying to come up with teams. Okay. Awkward is not always bad. Like the Niners is an awkward situation, but it's not, it's not bad because Jimmy G is playing. Okay. You know, the awkward part is if Trey Lance is not the quarterback, they thought he was or think he is, then it gets uncomfortable and in a different kind of awkward. All right. Okay. So here are some teams. Okay. The 49ers. Okay. The Miami Dolphins. Okay. New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers. Yes. Do we put the Seahawks on there? No, it's not awkward yet. It's only going to be awkward in the offseason, you know, a day or two after the Super Bowl when Russell Wilson comes on this show and then talks about how he doesn't get a seat at the table. Oh, that's right. He's already done that. Uh, this next time around, it'll probably be just Russ wants out. Uh, Cleveland Browns go on there? Yes. Yeah. You know, the biggest thing is is the contract. These quarterbacks and their agents all expect to get $40 million. I'm the next guy up. Baker Mayfield is not worth $40 million. And if you decide that he's not worth that, then you move on. Unless you go, well, but he's worth $28 million. <laughs> So, isn't that a weird kind of approach to this he's not 40 but he's 28 million but agents don't want that and more quarterbacks i would think would accept that and go do i want to leave cleveland well i don't know maybe he wants out of cleveland maybe baker's tired of living at the stadium in all those commercials 
Here is uh, Baker yesterday at his press conference. Baker, what did you make of, of some of the booing there in the second half from the fans? Those are probably the same fans that won't be quiet while we're on offense and trying to operate, so don't really care. All right. He could do better. You know, part of the reason why he's in the NFL is he's got this attitude. Probably, you know, people throughout his career said he couldn't amount to anything, wasn't going to be great, uh, wasn't going to get a scholarship. You know, that he plays with a chip on his shoulder. But when it comes to the fans you don't win, the answer is, hey, you know what? I'd probably boo me as well. Whatever it is, self-deprecating, move on. Hey, I hope to turn those boos into cheer. You can be corny. I mean, you have this colorful, playful personality with all your commercials. How about you act like you're acting there? Act in the press conference. Just go, I'm going to keep sleeping here at the stadium until we get it right. Whatever. But you can't turn on the fans. You can't make it about you. He's playing hurt, but he's not helping his team. And he's probably hurting himself in the bigger picture, the long term. The more he plays, it feels like the less valuable he is. And it's not fair to him because he does want to play. He is banged up. They got the Ravens coming up. They got two games with the Ravens. I mean, they got some tough games coming up. And what if they don't make the playoffs? A lot of people had them in the uh, AFC title game. But you got... You got Bengals, Packers, Ravens twice. Got a pretty tough, pretty tough schedule coming up. They're gonna end up with nine wins, maybe ten. Yeah, McClub. Maybe he's grumpy, these fans. I mean, dude sleeps in the stadium. Maybe they're keeping him up and mm. cutting into nap time. Hopefully. Yes. You should say, I just figured they were booing the coaching staff since everything is their fault. <laughs> so it wasn't us they were booing. They were booing the coaches because well, they're the ones who keep screwing this up. Remember, this was a clean break from Odell. Oh, they are better without Odell. Oh, Baker's better without Odell. And then <laughs> maybe... <laughs> maybe maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, McLevin. Seen's idea was... Maybe Baker Mayfield's a giant next year. I don't think that's an easier oh, media know. situation. <laughs> he, I like it, though. When he said that, we, we're getting ready to sit down for the morning meeting. He goes, you know where Baker Mayfield's going to be next year? I said, no, the Giants. <laughs> that, that'll help. Maybe that not next year, maybe the year after. It's oh. one of those two, though. He is going to end up being the Giants quarterback. I even tweeted it just so I have the receipts. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I, Adam Schefter just uh, confirmed it. Yeah, and then when I'll be like, wait, it happens, and I'll be like, yeah, see, remember I called that? It's like, yeah, everybody saw that coming. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern, or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Chris Sims, the uh, popular co-host of Pro Football Talk Live that uh, precedes our show on Peacock. I also see him on uh, Football Night in America. What is going on with the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield here? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I think one thing that I talk about on my podcast or the show with Florio a lot that just jumps out to me after studying them, you know, the first thing is, it's we said this a little a few weeks ago, I believe, when when I was on with you. You know, the 
it's a run game offense. They want to run the ball. That's what they do best. When the pass game has to stand stand alone by itself, uh, they struggle. You know, it's you know a little bit because of Baker Mayfield. Certainly hasn't been the best at reading the field. Been a little off target. Yes, the schemes themselves are a little underwhelming. Where you go, oh, it's just you know, okay, it's good, but it's not anything real creative. So that's what I look at. Let alone he's beat up to go along with that. And uh, I think that's where, you know, the, the problem lies, in my opinion, you know, more than anything. It's just very run game centric, and it's all dependent on Nick Chubb and what they do there. Yeah, but they rushed for 200 yards against Detroit. Baker threw two picks. They scored 13 points. Yeah. Well, at, at some point, you need to be able to uh, it, it go. Exactly. It's got to go back to him making a few throws. You know, I, I chat, you know, go back, watch the game. You know, if the two interceptions are egregiously bad, you know, and then. You know, out of the, I think he was, what, 15 for 29 or somewhere in that ballpark as far as the stats are concerned, there's five or six throws in the game where you go, whoa, 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 he missed that badly, you know, for a 15, 20, 25-yard gain that, of course, we know changes field position, maybe gets you another field goal, puts more pressure on Detroit. Those are the things that start to, you know, funnel towards a blowout or a dominant win. And when you don't take advantage of those opportunities, you let a lesser team hang around. And uh, that's exactly kind of what happened. We spent a little bit of time uh, starting the show talking about the Giants, that they have no identity here. Daniel Jones, to me, doesn't feel like a starting quarterback. He's got a lot of athletic ability, but he makes bad decisions. Saquon Barkley, you're not going to sign him up to a second contract. I got a GM who's probably in limbo here. A coach who's trying to channel Bill Belichick without having Tom Brady. What? Where do the Giants go from here? Yeah, they got a lot of issues. I mean, you you said it. You know, I mean, I, I'm a little bit of a defender of Joe Judge. I am. You know, uh, first off, like I don't have the same feeling I did with Pat Shermer or Ben McAdoo, where I saw one year and I was like, whoa, that they're they're in over their heads. See you later. Let's go to the next guy. You know, I don't. This one I look at a little bit differently to where, hey, they I think exceeded expectations a little bit last year with how they played. This year, yeah, it's been a little underwhelming, but I also sit there and just go, you know, it's hard to win football games in the NFL when you have maybe the worst offensive line in football. You know, that's the first thing I would say. There's problems throughout their roster. No great pass rusher. No no athletic middle linebackers that can, you know, that translate to the modern-day NFL as far as, like, staying on the field, covering running backs, covering tight ends. They don't have that. You know, they overpaid guys like James Bradbury at corner. They pay him like he's a shutdown Stephon Gillard, Gilmore, Jalen Ramsey, Jael Alexander type. That's not true. You know, that hasn't happened. You know, so I think there's just a lot of things I look at throughout the roster where I just go, yeah, it doesn't give them a fighting chance on a week-to-week basis, let alone, you're right, Saquon, his injury history, Daniel Jones hasn't played his best. Played, paid Kenny Galladay like he's supposed to be like one of the best receivers in football. They overpaid for that. That didn't work. You know, trade Odell Beckham Jr., get your Jabril Peppers. Okay, that's okay. Nothing special there. They traded away. the. I mean, they cut Zeitler or traded him to the Ravens in the offseason. So I just look at the roster as being the number one issue with the Giants, let alone some other things sprinkled in to go along with it. But you have these standalone games, and after a standalone games, that means everybody there, it's full, full exposure. Everybody's got an yeah, opinion right. on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Everybody's got an opinion on the Giants as well. Are the Buccaneers the best team in the NFC? Ooh, um, 
I think when they're going to be at full health, you know, and they're getting close to that, I, I have a hard time arguing that. I, I do. You know, I think it, Sean Murphy bunting being back last night. If they get Carlton Davis back in a few weeks, I believe that's going to help. Vita Vea, hey, they dodged a bullet by him not being out for the year. You know, we see the Gronk effect when he gets back in the lineup. He's such an issue to deal with because he's like having an extra tackle in the run game, let alone we know he's awesome in the pass game to go along with that. So, uh, yes, I think when the Bucks are healthy and all the stars aligned, they're the most dangerous, complete football team in the NFC. There's no doubt about that. Let's go through the awkward quarterbacking situations. And, yeah. and awkward doesn't mean it's bad. New York is bad. But what we have, like San Francisco, that's an awkward situation because Jimmy G is a better quarterback than Trey Lance right now, but Trey Lance is their future. How does that, how do they solve that? They're going to, I mean, they're going to have to see how the rest of this year plays out. I think that's the first thing. And then as they're doing that, evaluate Trey Lance and his progress and see where he's at with this whole situation as well. He's raw, as, we, as we've seen. We knew that coming out you know, in the draft. We saw it in the, the Arizona game where he got to play a few weeks ago. You know, There's some wow plays, but the ball, it sprays all over the place at times. He doesn't know how to take care of himself. He's running around like it's North Dakota State there. You know, that one to me still has the chance to be very dicey, Dan. It really does because I think the 49ers are going to end up being a player here in the NFC. I do. Now that they're healthy, Shanahan seems to got his groove back a little bit. Kittle's back. The way they're using Debo Samuel, they've gotten Brandon Ayuk out of the funk. You know, the defense is, is I'm not going to say like the Super Bowl year defense, but still good, a top 10 defense in football. And yeah, I do wonder because I expect them to make the playoffs. And if they get in the playoffs in the NFC, it's crazy. Yeah, I think there is just about as good as anybody there other than maybe the Bucks. So where I look at that and go, man, that Shanahan – you know, good thing he's getting paid a lot of money because he's going to have some <laughs> tough things to deal with in the offseason. Okay, some of the other awkward quarterbacking situations. I'm going to throw yeah. the Dolphins in there. Right. I think the Saints is an awkward. It feels like they have three quarterbacks, but they don't have one quarterback. The right. Panthers, you know, Cam, nice reunion tour. You're paying Sam Darnold next year. The Seahawks, if they don't make the playoffs, and Russell Wilson, does he want to stay? Does Pete Carroll want to stay or whatever happens there the Steelers with Ben could he play just good enough to go hey I think I'll come back for another year and then you got the Cleveland Browns so out of all of those what which one is more interesting to you oh they're all good I think Steelers and Big Ben this will be it period I think they're going to be a player their team's ready to win now I think they'll be a player for one of the Watson, Rogers, Russell, Wilson, whoever comes available. That's the way I'm, I'm going to throw that out there. Seattle is the most interesting a little bit just because of the whole situation. You know, yeah, I, you know, from the things I know about Russell Wilson, things he said to people I know that I trust in the NFL in the offseason, yeah, I think a lot of signs point towards him like saying, see you later, Seattle. I'm out of here after this year. And I wonder just what happens in Seattle altogether. I mean, of course, it's been a great run, but they're borderline like – we might have to blow up the team here. You know, that that's, they've been putting band-aids on things for the last few years, you know, nothing great on the offensive line, you know, running backs. Okay. Solid. You got two receivers, no great defensive linemen, nobody that jumps out, 
You know, Jamal Adams hasn't worked out to the capacity I think they wanted it to, and they got no good cover corners. There's a lot of issues there. So I think I look at Seattle maybe, and probably the Miami situation as being the one that I look at to be the most interesting. Like Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, Dan, you know, they got a little leeway here. I mean, I think we said this a few weeks ago. First off, why would you overpay him? What has he done right now to say, oh, we got to get the contract done? No one's going to be beating down the door for Baker Mayfield and free agency. And you got the fifth-year option, you know, as far as that flexibility is concerned as well. So I think he's there at least for now. Uh, But that Miami-Seattle situation, very interesting. We're talking to Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host. You can also see him on Football Night in America. I'm curious if Jonathan Taylor can do enough to sneak in and win an MVP because it feels like we don't have a legitimate front runner for the MVP. Yeah. What would Jonathan Taylor have to do to win the MVP? Uh, I think that, you know, obviously lead the league in rushing and have a, a number that like wows you. I think that's the first thing. Like, you know, not that it has to be 2000, but if he gets up there to that 17, 1800 mark, you know, gets to, like right now, I think he's at what 13 touchdowns, maybe even more adding the run game. I'm trying to look at my stat- stats here as I'm talking to you. Like he's got to get somewhere in the 20, the 20 area He's on pace th- for 20 and he's on pace for a little over 1600 yards. Yeah. So is that I think enough if, he can get, if they, uh, if- yeah, he needs a little more to me. Like he needs to be 18. He needs another 200 yard rushing game to be thrown in there and another three or four touchdown performance along with them making the playoffs and him obviously being the marquee player there. And I think also to say it's enough, he needs maybe one of the, a few of these quarterbacks again to kind of just fall on their face a little bit, a little bit here and there. And, you know, they, he needs to hope Brady throws another few interceptions and Stafford continues to stumble. Uh, then he can do it. But it is a very odd year and uh, very wide open from that, that, that standpoint. I mean, the, the, the NFL is crazy this year. It's crazy as, as I can ever remember. But I don't know who the leading candidate is. You know, I thought if Dak had a big game in Kansas City, then he might rise above. Aaron Rodgers was great, but they lost that game. Um, I'm going to hold it against him that he missed the Kansas City game. Uh, You know, Josh Allen has not played well. Brady's been up and down, back-to-back losses. Uh, Kyler Murray's been out. So I know. I I know. It's crazy. It is. You know, I look at, like, um, one guy, I mean, you know, it's going to end up being a quarterback. I think if you made me bet right now the way it is and the way the team looks, it's going to end up being Brady. That's the way I look at it. You know, especially if they get Antonio Brown back. You know, I just think they've got too many weapons. And as long as they can protect him, just like we saw last night, he just can dice you up as, as good as anybody in the game. they got a good system. They're creative. He's got mismatches everywhere. That'd be the guy I'd probably say right now. But... You know, I am, I'm rooting for like Jonathan Taylor a little bit to make this interesting. No doubt about it. Another guy that I think is like, no, not a quarterback, but needs to be quietly in this discussion as well. If you want to just say what MVP means to me would be Debo Samuel with the 49ers. Uh, that's another guy. I know it's like, but man, he leads the lead and leads the team in receiving. He's one of the best receivers in football. And now they got him playing damn tailback too. He's the best tailback on the team. You know, he is the MVP of their team for sure. And if they continue to make some crazy rise and he continues to have these crazy stat lines, I'll throw him out there, but I'm going to give Brady the edge right now. 
The Mannings last night talked about you don't blitz Brady. I mean, that's not, you know, that enlightening because Kurt Warner's talked about that too. He wanted you to blitz, but teams still blitz. You know, Brady gets the rid of the ball so quick. Why, why do teams blitz uh, some of these quarterbacks who are more in the pocket stationary quarterbacks? Yeah, well, you know, you got to be careful. And Brady's one you got to be careful about blitzing, you know, certainly. You know, he knows where to go with the football. He's, you know, he's been in two, you know, offensive systems that have answers for the blitzes, too. You know, some of these quarterbacks don't have answers. They're just like, hey, if you're blitz, just throw it real quick to the hot route guy right there. And it's like, well, yeah, the other team knows they're going to throw it to quick to the hot route guy, too. It's not always open. You know, you got to have protection answers, you know, other rules within the protections and routes that kind of combat those issues. But yeah, Brady's going to dice up the blitz if you're too obvious. It just has to be a smattering of blitzes. And to me, it's the illusion of pressure and blitz that gets Brady. Like if you watch the Washington and the Saints game a little bit, Dan, you know, and I know you did, I'm not trying to say you didn't, but they, it's a lot of wait, you know, two guys blitz over here, but two guys drop out over here. So now it's a little like, wait, am I protected? Did I get guys in the right place? Wait, now I got to get my eyes downfield. What the hell coverage are they playing? That to me is what you do to Brady. Unlike what the giants did last night who have no pass rusher and then played very <laughs> vanilla on the back end, you know, to where he could just dice them up. But yeah, you got to have a special front four. And I think the illusion of complexity and pressure just to fluster him a little bit. I just don't see a reason why Brady is going to retire anytime soon. No way. I'm with you. Why would you leave that team? I mean, yes, he's still throwing lasers all over the football field and he knows how to protect himself. And he's got a team that's they're set up to dominate the NFC at least for the next two or three years. So I'm with you. Enjoy the Tampa sun. Enjoy the house that Chris Sims built for him and just kind of go from there. <laughs> uh, all the great memories of you in Tampa Bay. Oh yeah. All the great memories. Yeah, yep, that's right. It was a great time. It's a great football town. You know, they might not have like the wealth to always have, you know, season tickets sold out all the time and, and everything like that. But man, do they love football? You know, it's borderline SEC country up there in Tampa as you get to Northern Florida and they love their bucks. So I'm happy to see those fans getting to enjoy this for sure. Great to talk to you. Happy Thanksgiving. And uh, you too. tell your dad, Smack your dad right in the shoulder or something like. Oh, de definitely. I'll take it farther than the shoulder. I'll hit him in the back of the head or the chest or something. And you make sure you return that favor to the rest of those idiots whoa, there, too. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Yeah. Boom, eat it. <laughs> See you guys. Thank Happy you. Thanksgiving to all of you. Seriously. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. That's Chris Sims. He was being serious with that. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's Ray Liotta, actor-producer. 
He was in Field of Dreams. He was in Goodfellas. He was uh, also in the Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark. And he's in the third and final season of Hannah, premieres November 24th on Prime Video. Ray joins us on the program. How many fights have you been in in your life, Ray? How many fights? Yeah. Honestly, one. It was in seventh grade, and I was uh, two grammar schools were folded into uh, uh, the junior high school. And some kid, we were arguing about, I think it was something stupid as who had the better food in, in the grammar schools. And we went, I went down to the house because everybody knew there was a fight and I won. <laughs> but, but you appear to be a tough guy and a lot of your roles, you're a tough guy. Are you uh, a tough guy? Tough in what we know? Not really. <laughs> so you're... I'm as peaceful as it comes. Like I said, I've only been in one fight. <laughs> you must be a great actor then to act tough. <laughs> ah, now nah, you hit it. Hey, let me ask you something. Okay. They kept wanting me to remove the, cu- uh, the coffee cup, the orange juice, the water. You got 18 things up there. Who's, who's the guy in the red that's got his hand up? Uh, that is Lou Holtz. The former uh, Notre Dame and Arkansas head coach. You can put whatever you want up there, Ray. Ah, I don't care. No, I'm joking. No, I'm not joking. (laughs) What do people say to you on a daily basis, depending on where you are? What do you get on the street? Uh, You're the best looking actor that I've ever seen in my life. No, 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 no. They'll either do, they'll either just say hello or for a while, it was, you're a funny guy. Uh, it's not a bad price to pay. But, you know, it's one of those where you're, some actors are known for a role, and then you try to escape the role a little bit or try to do something different. Uh, how tough well, is that? Sorry. Now you see the tough guy comes in. Uh, I, my first movie was a movie, Something Wild, and I played a maniac. And I would read, and I didn't get it till I was 30 years old. That's when I did my first movie. Uh, I forgot the question again. About you try to distance yourself from, you know. Yeah, like- yeah, yeah. So after something wild, I did the movie Dominic and Eugene with Tom Holtz, which was a beautiful, I was a medical uh, uh, student. And I had to move to Stanford. But uh, my brother, who was brain damaged, and we find out later that was because of physical abuse, but I had to leave him. It was a really beautiful story. And in and, and Field of Dreams, I didn't, like, hit Kevin with the bat. <laughs> that was a nice one. I did a couple of Muppet movies, too. What, what kind of athlete were you? I was okay. I played soccer and, and basketball, but the soccer, I, uh, I think I was better at. But I never it just went to high school and that was it. Did you audition for Field of Dreams? No. No, I think they just brought me in. And I think it was just an out and out offer. I think. How long were you in Iowa? Did you see um, you must have seen the uh, the game that they played yeah. on the field of yeah, that was beautiful. They yeah. really, really did a good job. Uh, so, what'd you ask me again? How long were you in Iowa? Probably two months, maybe a little more. This was beautiful. Have you watched that movie? 
No, I've never seen it. <laughs> I haven't. Do you not watch your movies? N not a lot of them. I mean, a lot of a lot of them. I don't uh, do it. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's all Goodfellas and maybe a couple others, but in general, I probably have more movies that I haven't seen. But can you watch now that you're further removed from it? Watch the watch a movie. Yeah, that you're in. No, you know, sometimes I'm changing channels and oh, I was in that one, and it just kept it keeps going on. <laughs> well, I wondered because some you know you sit and listen to yourself talk. Uh, I don't I don't listen to the replay of the show. Yeah. All right. See, we're the same. Well, it's that I used to, when I did SportsCenter, the show would be over. I'd get the tape and I'd watch the entire SportsCenter and look at all the things I didn't do well or right. And Were you, were you in the beginning of that? No, I got there. Uh, I was 10 years in. So uh, 1989 is when I got there. Huh. But yeah, they started in the early 80s with Chris Berman and company. But yeah, I, I got there. Uh, late nine, late eighties, but I would analyze everything I was doing, and then it was defeating right. the purpose. So I wasn't looking at what I did well. I would, I would look at what I didn't do well, and I didn't know if that's what. Would you be doing that? Would you be critical of yourself if you're watching? Oh yeah, totally. It's all about lighting. If I'm not looking good, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, I tell, I, I'm not joking. You know, they tell you like, no, I, I move to your left, move to your right. And I said, guys, just tell me, like, when the light, the lighting is better over there than here, and I'll move in a second. Just because you know that you're going to look good. Totally. Yeah. And I noticed you wore the blue shirt nah. because of the blue eyes. I mean, come on. That's smart move. That's a veteran move by you right now. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> All right. If you weren't an actor, you would have been... A musician. I was just talking last night with my fiance, uh, uh, JC, uh, a cop or a, a musician, like someone who knows how to play guitar. I played guitar like a thousand years ago and uh, I just didn't take it. I just found it. It wasn't for me. And then you like Copland, did you embrace that sort of feel, you know, that? Yeah. I, I used to do ride-alongs with, with, with the cops. Uh, the, one guy was a sergeant, and the first call we had to go on, it turned out there was a body part because something blew up in this person's house. Oh, boy. So I've done that. I, I, I've, I, I researched a lot in the beginning. Goodfellas, I had a guy who was in it or claimed that he was in it. He actually was. Uh, what else did I do? I've watched autopsies. I, I did a movie where I played a heart surgeon, and I just sat back and watched them, just what they do, just to get and the uh, the doctor said, you've been here all the time. You want to come up here and see what we're doing? And I said, yeah. And what, what the, the woman's chest was wide open, and they were doing heart surgery, and he, he said, do you want to touch her heart? Oh, boy. I said, Yeah. I mean, how many opportunities you get with that? And I put my finger in and and touch this woman, her her her, her heart. 
What's so funny? <laughs> well, that's not that's unique. I mean, it's not yeah, standard want, practice want, there on the operating no. table. I, yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I also uh, I did. I watched a, a brain uh, off topic because I, I was doing a. What the hell was the one I did with Anthony Hopkins? Is this where they're feeding you the brain? Was it Hannibal? Yeah. Yeah. And I, they said, what, what do you want to eat for it? And I said, well, I can't imagine it tastes good. Just give me dark meat chicken. I just don't like dark meat chicken. So they put it there was there and then the Tony feeds it to me and <laughs> I, I eat dark chicken. <laughs> Dark meat chicken. Uh, we're talking to Ray Liotta, the actor, producer, and uh, he's in the third and final season of Hannah. What made you jump on this role? Cash. <laughs> well, you have no. admitted before that you've taken roles for just the money. I have, and because I needed it, you know, I've definitely had an up and down career that's now on a slow rise. Um. Yeah, I, I used to watch open uh, uh, brain surgery. That one was crazy. But, and the, the, the guy's awake because I didn't know how I was supposed to do it. I, I you know, but, and, and he was awake. And I, he was there. And then I turned around. It was the 405 freeway. That's so it. so you uh, you took Hannah for cash? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. no. Okay. It, it was, it was, <laughs> I had seen two seasons I, before they, uh, when they offered it to me just to see what it was. And it just looked compelling. It looks like what we did, it really has a great momentum to it. My my guys were excited uh, that you were going to be on. They want to know if they could ask you uh, a a question, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. All right. Uh, Fritzy, do you want to do the Joe Pesci impersonation and get that out of the way for Ray? We could do that. Okay, go ahead. Well, how am I funny? Like, how am I like a clown? I'm here to amuse you. How am I? How how am I funny? You tell me how. Why am how am I so funny to you? I got nothing else to do but make you laugh. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> what do you think, Ray? It was very good. He's a funny guy. Okay. <laughs> funny. Uh, do, do, Mr. Q. Do you, yeah, I know. Todd. How am I funny? Like how? Explain to no, me. No, no, no. You're done. What's you, so no, funny about no, me? Stop. You you already got it. You know. But what you did was better than what I did. So stop. Get out of here. I just kind of like took it for a while. McLovin, you got a question for Ray. All right. I did all this research. There's so many roles that you're reported to have passed on. Mm, is there one? No, I know what you're going to ask me. Yeah. Well, no, I was just going to ask. Is there one that you regret that was true? The Passing only on one I, I would regret was they came to me for the first Batman and the, uh, but I didn't, you know, I'm saying Batman. I'm like, oh, in my 30s, Batman just seems silly. And then all of a sudden that phase took off. <laughs> I'm not sorry about it, but it's also not what I did. Seton, your, your uh, question. Can I ask two? Sure. Do you have a, a favorite guitar player? Since you mentioned uh, the musician thing, do you have a favorite guitar player that you really like? And then my other question I really was... like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I like... Uh, the guy who who was with uh was with Donald Fagan, um, Walter Becker. The, no, Walter, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He was really good too. Yeah. And what was the other question, Seaton? 
Oh, how did uh, growing up in New Jersey impact you as an actor? Uh, not none really. I, I, I never wanted to do this. I just went to college because my, my dad wanted me to. And I got into the University of Miami, which at that time you just needed a pulse to get in there because <laughs> I walked out of my SATs. And uh, I was in line to take liberal arts and you had to take a math and a history. I don't even know why I'm telling this story. Uh, and I just said, there's no way I'm going to even do math and history. And right to the left was for the drama department. I took a step over at a drama class that uh, in, in high school, but so I never did. I just figured, uh, I don't just, just mess around for a year in Miami. Paulie, your question. Uh, you did two movies back to back. One of them I just love, Phoenix. You played the cop with a gambling problem. I love that movie. But you did an a HBO movie called The Rack. Rat Pack, where you played Frank Sinatra, yeah. and it felt like you were singing a lot of the stuff in the movie. How much singing did you, and how tough was that? Well, I yeah, I sang, but it was to his music. Actually, they couldn't even afford to use Sinatra's music, so they had a uh, a guy who sang just like him, like what you were doing, and uh, and so uh, we. That's it. Go on. That's it. That's all we got, Ray. That's it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. That's uh. Is this your house? What? Is this your house? No, it's my man cave. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh, where at your at your home? Uh, no, in Connecticut. It it's a uh, big big uh, okay. big studio. I I took over a kind of a warehouse and made it a man cave. So we well, got a basketball court in here and a bar and a football <laughs> field. Yeah, life's good. Life's good. Yes, it looks like. Yeah. All right. I'll wave to you like Lou Holtz's. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Thank good, you. good luck with Hannah. Thank you. That's uh, Ray Liotta.